Hi, welcome to the Biffa podcast, the show from the British Independent Film Awards that brings together two artists from in front of and behind the camera for a conversation about how film has shaped their lives. For this episode, writer and director Marley Morrison spoke to Biffa Best Supporting Actress nominee Joe Hartley. Marley's feature film debut, Sweetheart, was released in 2021 and received five different nominations at the Biffers. As well as Joe's nomination for Best Supporting Actress, the film's lead actor, Nell Barlow, won the award for Breakthrough Performance. Producer Michelle Antoniades won the prize for Breakthrough Producer, and Marley herself was nominated for awards for both debut screenwriter and debut director. The story of AJ, a young woman who has plans of an exotic gap year escape, who finds herself instead heading towards a Dorset caravan park with her sister and mum, Sweetheart was released to critical acclaim earlier in the year. After seeing her on screen in This Is England, Joe Hartley was Marley's first choice to play AJ's mum, and once she was cast, the pair struck up an immediate friendship. In this heartfelt, insightful and captivating conversation, Marley and Joe look back at the cinema trips of their youth and how it moulded who they are today. From 80s comedy classics to the work of Shane Meadows, they also get into the camaraderie and compassion that made Sweetheart happen, highlighting it as a prime example of the warming collaborative spirit that can come from the filmmaking process. Good morning, Marley. Good morning, Jojo. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, I'm excited about chatting about my favourite subject, films, movies, all things movies. How about you? That's all we do, talk about film stuff, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It is. We love films. We love films. It's, uh, it's really nice to be able to do this, actually, and uh, it made me think about why I actually did get into film and why I became an actor and yeah so you're gonna ask me some questions aren't you (laughs) yeah I'm gonna ask you some questions yeah you're right it's made me think about it makes you sort of go back right to the beginning doesn't it and sort of think about your journey but I guess um I guess kind of like what I'd like to know is a bit about sort of the cinema of your youth I guess we grew up sort of watching I, I suppose sort of different films and I I wonder what was your sort of cinema experience your film experience sort of Growing up, what was that like? To be honest, in my house, there was always movies on. My mum and dad loved movies. So from what I can remember, it was, there'd always be, you know, it was kind of the black and white cowboy film or stuff like Great Escape with Steve McQueen. And um, I remember being absolutely blown away by The Wizard of Oz being a kid. Um, The first time I saw it, the colours, the magicalness of it, the sort of fantasy and, uh, you know, Judy Garland's character. It was just, I just loved it. It wasn't until quite recently. I mean, I I get the film and the meaning of it and and what it kind of means, but then recently I had another experience with it. I was reading a book by Florence Scovel Shin, who's a sort of an artist in, in New York. She was an artist in a... She became a metaphysics teacher and she um, she talked about the meaning of it, No Place Like Home. And I, I was always attracted to that film. I was always drawn to it, not you know, and I wasn't sure why and it only became apparent. I was sat on a beach in Portugal reading this book and I just started crying. I was like, wow, it's, it's about the inner journey and about the sort of, well, it'll be different for everybody, but that simplicity of everything you need, you've got right inside you you just need to believe it with the ruby slippers and I've got a little picture on my wall 
that my friend Keith bought me of the ruby slippers and saying you've you've got everything you need dear you just need to know it yourself that's a great that's a great sort of throwback one yeah I, I remember watching that as a kid and 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 same I think it sort of holds the test of time doesn't it a film like that you know so it's yeah I mean it's so old isn't it but it's really one you can kind of refer back to that kind of it definitely stays in my memory watching it growing up and that was in the 90s, you know, so. Wow, yeah, it's a classic. It's a classic and I always used to watch it at Christmas and I always used to have some matchmakers like, you know, mint or orange matchmakers and sit and watch it and be so, I'd be like so excited to see it in the, the it was the TV Times Christmas thing and I'd be screaming going, the Wizard of Oz is on and my mum would be like, oh God. And we'd all sit and watch it. It's nice that you say you saw it. I, I remember stuff like Chitty Chitty Bang Bang and Seven Brides for Seven brothers seven prize for seven brothers my goodness oh my goodness my my mum and my my grandma they still obsess over that film now my grandma my grandmother she's 97 bless her and she's she she was in love with the dad of all the boys you know like oh he was handsome he was she always talks about how handsome he was back in the day and she's <laughs> but yeah I love that you know seven brides for seven brothers that was that was a big one chitty chitty bang bang even the original um willy wonka in the chocolate factory that was a big part of my you know with gene wilder that was a big part of my childhood as well that film that is oh my god gene wilder what a legend that's an incredible movie and stuff like mary poppins and mm. um do you know what i mean like all that and then i remember when we i was kind of i don't know i was I don't know how old I was, maybe 14, 15, maybe younger. My dad brought a VHS player. It wasn't a Betamax, it was a VHS. And we had all films like The Blues Brothers and things like that. It was crazy. My dad loved that. Yeah, Blue Brothers. Blues Brothers. Yeah, yeah, he Blues loved all that. Blues Brothers, Friday the 13th, all that kind of stuff came out. There was stuff like, I remember films like Porky's and Hot Bubblegum. They're just very, they wouldn't work now, would they? But Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's. A, I was thinking one that I used to watch when I was was younger and I think oh god I've probably watched that before I was should have watched it but my dad used to watch a lot of Mel Brooks films um yes. like Blazing Saddles and things like yes. that it's just you know <laughs> we all know which scene worked well for everybody don't we around the yeah. old campfire with the beans that's that's bringing back so much that's mental I'm so happy that you sort of remember those as well that's great um it was interesting because I remember then evolving into sort of Scorsese, uh, 16, 17 right. years old, discovering De Niro and Pacino, Scorsese, John Cassavetes, um, Gina Rowland. Then it got all serious. Then it was like Once Upon a Time in America. Then we, now we're talking. Now we're like, yeah, okay, yeah, now, yeah. now I want to become an actor. Now I'm obsessed with all these, you know, Streep, Pacino, Christopher Walken, incredible actors and um, seeing stuff like Mean Streets and... And um, Taxi Driver, how did they affect you, Marley? Did you like those kind of new... Because I watched Raging Bulls and Easy Riders the other day. It was it's a documentary. It's fascinating about how Francis Ford Coppola and De Niro, like Pacino and all these new... Spielberg was one of them, came into this new wave of like the director was the, the boss, like the director was key. He was driving, he or she was driving it, not many women then, which is... Is changing now, which is brilliant. But what? How did those films affect you? They had a huge impact on me wanting to become an actor. I mean, I'd say like I was a massive fan of Taxi Driver, and I'd really kind of, you know, I love watching all the old, the old, I say old, you know, the classic, you know, the classic actors of that sort of generation, like Pacino and De Niro and and, and all those guys, and even Leo to a certain extent. I think I grew up sort of more 
watching Leo kind of evolve from from what's eating Gilbert Grape to kind of um, you know Titanic and all of the movies that Leo went on to do. But um, but yeah, I mean, I was always I kind of I I suppose I didn't really get into like the really kind of dark thrillery stuff. I was kind of more I kind of grew up watching like more more comedies I would say more kind of light-hearted stuff and I did sort of dip my toe into a, a little bit of that that kind of you know dark thriller I guess crime genre of stuff but um I guess I you know for me I grew up watching a lot of um John Hughes films um that kind of stuff you know like Uncle Buck and Breakfast yes. Club and and all of that sort of stuff Home Alone you know we always watched Home Alone every every Christmas and all, you know all of that sort of stuff honey I shrunk the kids and um, just anything Flights, that was trains kind and of, automobiles yeah 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 exactly yeah love do you know that. one of my favorites is Breakfast Club it's absolutely incredible I remember like the first film I ever went to see at the cinema was Greece with my mom and my aunties my cousins there was loads of us I went three times to see it and so all those kind of movies, but like John Hughes, absolutely incredible. I remember seeing The Breakfast Club and just being so blown away, you know? I was like, what is going on? It was so cool, wasn't it? And then I kind of, I was looking actually at some of his back catalogue and realising there's a couple you suggested. I've not seen um, Uncle Buck. Uncle Buck with John Candy, yeah, yeah, great. I love John Candy. Such such a great actor. There is, There are so many. It's like you mentioned, Edward, did you say um, what's eating Gilbert Grape and what and Edward mm. Scissorhands, things like that. I was just really obsessed with all that fantasy. It was an incredible time for, for film, but then... Yeah, I think Once Upon a Time in America was the thing that made me go, right, okay, I really want to do this. And I, I, I was in Manchester at the time and it took me, I remember the Corner House Cinema was a very cool art house indie cinema. It's closed now. And every time, I, I mean, I, I kind of, I go there and I just feel really cool. There was always like, you'd have like world cinema on and I got into stuff like Hanukkah and Christoph Kozlowski and, you know, just like Three Colours Trilogy and, the yeah. piano teacher. When I started sort of acting, I was sort of teaching myself. I went to like a, a Questers drama school. I went to Oldham Theatre Workshop. I did sort of, I was self-taught really. So I became a little bit obsessed with like Brando and, you know, sort of um, all the sort of Stanislavski stuff. I Send read. your standard time. I know. It was like, I did. <laughs> all the best. I know. I did. I was drawn to that. I was watching three movies a day, you know, trying to, you know, do a job to make some money and just becoming obsessed with being an actor and was like oh I can't do this I'm from a working class family up north my dad had just died I was like I can't I can't go to London and be an actor it's just a daft dream it's not going to happen and I, I worked for years with that fear and that sort of level of uh, I can't do it I blocked myself because I was it wasn't ever the money you know but it was like there's something inside me that knew I wanted to do it and I had this drive and I was obsessed and was you like that Marley was it similar for you that kind of vibe was it something that you yeah I think I kind of always I always kind of I always had a feeling that I could I could do it like I understood story and I you know and I I kind of I always like making people laugh but yeah similar to you you know working class background like I didn't you know it feels so far away I think when you're growing up don't you and and I remember like hearing a lot of little quotes over the years that kind of stick in your brain you know like oh we're get a real job yes and, uh, <laughs> yeah you know like oh it's okay to kind of give up on your dream it's not for every you know all of these little kind of things that kind of just you know stick stick with you I guess over yeah. the years of kind of feeling like oh well you know maybe 
maybe it isn't for somebody like me you know my family are not in the industry like it, you know there's there's so many reasons not to do it well, my there? dad was a singer and he was a drummer and he used to obviously had a, had a day job as well but my auntie betty worked with otto preminger who made various different films he was a cult filmmaker from america and he did like the man with the golden army frank sinatra about a heroin addict years back and she she went to new york in her 20s and she was they always used to say to me just like your auntie betty you know adventurous and you got and i and she went off and she did all these films and so there was no one really within the family that did that but i kind of um you know i i kind of had it in me and i and i had that fear around not being good enough, not being able to do it. But somewhere deep down, I kind of knew and I didn't really have a plan B. I did other work to earn money and stuff. And I yeah. remember just, I, I remember making it work. I remember whatever job I was doing, I'd always do like acting lessons or have private tuition. I watched lots of movies. And I remember doing Dead Man's Shoes. It was my first movie. I didn't expect to, you know, it was just fluke how I ended up working with Shane. But Brilliant movie. Thank you, Brilliant darling. Movie. Um, Paddy Considine said to me, like, you know, all you need to do is tell the truth. And and it was like, just, just, you know, and I kind of was like, wow. And Shane had always said to me, just don't act like don't don't try you it's all there just trust the process learn the line say it and be in the moment mm. with the other actor I think that's what we did when we was in your film but it's such an incredible thing because a lot of my favorites like Gary Ullman people like that they, they weren't trained you know they're quite raw and a little bit sort of self-taught and I think there's something in that there's I do I have worked with like when I was on set with Taryn on Eddie the Eagle, you can see this amazing confidence and this, the training. I always wanted to go back and train and, I, you know, I never ended up doing that. But it gives you that confidence and it helps you with all the classics and all that sort of stuff. I've never really, I've had to learn it myself, but because I love movies... I've always, you know, and I don't know, like, was it a family thing for you watching movies? Did you all sit around together and do it or did you go off with your mates? And what was your first experience? What was your first movie that you saw? Oh, my goodness. The first movie that I saw. Oh, God, it was probably like it was probably Bambi. <laughs> and I think it trauma. I think it traumatized me. It was either Bambi or Watership Down, and I think Watership Down equally traumatized me. I, yeah, it still does. It still does. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. What a gentle film. Yeah, God, look. That's why you've got such a gentle. You've got a gentle spirit, Marley. When I read Sweetheart, oh. yeah, it's such a lovely movie because. It's such an interesting, like, it's an incredibly important topic, but you just were so gentle with it and you had this great sense of humour and I loved it when I saw Leroy, you're sure. I thought it was a bit like Napoleon yeah. Dynamite and then Baby yeah, Gravy, I knew that you had this authenticity and this gentleness, but a sort of really, not dark sense of humour, like, a, you know, but just like kind of quirky sense of humour, you know? Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, Napoleon Dynamite was a big, big fan of Napoleon Dynamite, like, like that was a huge, huge. I, I watched that, you know, I, that's one of the films I could watch all the time. Napoleon Dynamite. I just think it's so funny. Eat the cheese. <laughs> God, what are you going to do today, Napoleon? God, yeah. Whatever I... the hell I want. What do you think? God. God. I remember Shane Meadows telling me to watch that, and I was obsessed with it. I just loved the song at the end. Um, when they dance, it's just a beautiful. When he does his dance, yeah, oh, yeah. Such good mates. And um, I remember going into a dark phase with film when sort of Casino and all that hit. I remember loving Natural Born Killers and 
Oh, well, yeah, all yeah, those, right. Wow. You know, true romance, all that kind of stuff. I remember what. Oh, true romance, brilliant. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I love about movies is the music, like Ennio Morricone and Hans Zimmer and all those guys. All the sort of soundtracks that I was, I was obsessed. I remember getting a vinyl of uh, Once Upon a Time in America and just like just being obsessed with it from a, a little record shop in, in Manchester. The other thing was like, where, where do you actually like to see movies? Do you like to watch them at home? Do you like to go to the cinema? Watch, have you got a favourite cinema? Oh God, I've got a favourite cinema. There, you know, there's a cinema back, you know, back home where, where I kind of grew up in, in a place called, well, it's just off Hemel called Berkhamsted. Um, there's a cinema there called The Rex, which is a real local sort of independent cinema. And I'm so glad that it's kept going all of these years because it's one of those things that you always think is going to uh, not be around anymore. You, you know what I mean? Like it's so small and it's got, you know, like sofas and it's real cosy and you can have your dinner in there. And it's just like a proper local independent cinema um, called The Rex in Berko, in Berkhamsted. And that's a, it's a real favourite of mine. I suppose I really, I grew up kind of going, going to the cinema, like going to the, the Odeon in Hemel. Mum used to drop us off a Saturday morning and I think it was like a pound or two pound to go and watch a movie. She'd be like, all right, naff off for a few hours. <laughs> you know, like, Tina, naff go off. And see whatever, <laughs> go and see whatever the, yeah, go and see whatever the Saturday morning flick is. And, and there was four of us. So it was like, oh, you know, here's a tenner. And, yeah. and uh, she got rid of us for a few hours. And that was kind of always something I look forward to, just like Saturday morning with a, a bag of sweets at 10 a.m. <laughs> um <laughs> But I mean, there's so many cinemas I love now. You know, I love going to the Curzon, in, mm. you know, in Shaftesbury and Picture House. And uh, I mean, what, what's your favourite cinema? Which one do you go to? I love I love all those. I, I mean, now, like being, I love all the ones with the big, big sort of sofas, the the Everyman and Picture House Central, where you can get a little blanket and you can sit on a sofa and it's a real yeah, experience. Yeah. You know, as cosy as possible. Oh, no. Just get as cosy as possible. Yeah. Recreate the house at, at the cinema. Yeah. I went to see Belfast the other the other day. It was like a after screening, and I, honestly, I sobbed. But I think it was like the view in Leicester Square. When I got in there, it was incredible because the seats were like really big leather seats. But what they'd allowed is foot room in in front, so people don't disturb you when you go to the toilet. And you there was like a little corridor in front of oh, the wow. seat, so you could just walk through. And um, that was a huge cinema. I guess the IMAX is fun when you're watching certain movies. But I, I loved the corner house in Manchester. I was sad when that closed down because it, it reminds me of like the world cinema and it, it made me feel cool. I thought I knew loads about movies and, you know, like foreign films, French films and all that. And um, But I think now I'm a bit like you. I mean, I'll just go anywhere. I prefer, I, I love, um, you know, the Curzon and that. I, I like sort of being, having an experience. Like I love watching movies at home, but it's, it's it's not mm. the same. Like, of course, you can get these big TVs and surround sound, but I have to say, certain movies need to be seen on a on a cinema. Don't you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's what you know. It's how the filmmakers intended it. They've made certain decisions because they know you're going to see it in a big screen, hopefully. So it's um it's a shame to watch everything so small. It is. It is. And people on the phones and that on the tube. I'm like, what are you do? Oh no, don't do that. <laughs> Stop it! Yeah. <laughs> trying, to, trying to trying to sort of having a bit of a thing on the on the tube. What kind of films do you like seeing now? Like, what do you look? What's the stuff that you like to watch now? What are you into at the moment currently? God, so I mean, so many, so much. When different... you're not directing, yeah. <laughs> when I've got time. To go to the um, 
God, I mean, so much. I love, you know, I really love supporting British film, you know, as we're at Biffers, like we can yes. talk about how much we love British film. Like there's some some great British films out at the moment and there's some amazing British films about to come out. I'm really excited to see um, my friend Nathan Bryan has written a film called Rye Lane, um, co-written a film um, that comes out and that's directed by Rain Allen Miller that yeah. comes out soon and then there's a, a another one of my friends who's a filmmaker called charlotte reagan um she's got a film coming out called scrapper um yeah. both both features so i'm i'm super i'm super um keen to kind of support other british filmmakers really um you know i know censor came out recently that's done really really well yeah so i'm all about british film supporting british film man and british filmmakers i think it's really important that we you know we get out there and we and we buy a ticket for these British films because, you know, we're competing against you know the big Marvels and 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 whatever else is. So, so yes, um, well, I definitely think I should be a, a Marvel character, um, a grandma or a sort of I don't know middle aged hot hot mama with uh, <laughs> with a superpower of kindness, <laughs> maybe kindness or. Maybe I should play a baddie. I don't know. Maybe I should play a side of Joker character. You should definitely, you should definitely play a baddie. Yeah, I've got it's a good baddie. Time. It is. Come on, Marley, write that up. Marley, <laughs> Marley Morrison's new film starring the baddie. Let's just call it the baddie and have a bit of comedy in there. The baddie. Do you remember when I dressed up as the Joker and went round the shop, the local shop, and sent you some pictures oh God, and terrorised all the, the children? Around, around Hackney. And I was... Hackney Joker. <laughs> Um, shot in Japan. There you go. That doesn't work, does it? But we, the kids were all terrified. It was last Halloween. I just wanted to go back to the cinema. I've, I've, I remember visiting. I was in Los Angeles and I, I visited um, a place called the Silent Movie Theater, which shows like I don't know if it's open anymore, but it was in Melrose to watch a film called A Face in the Crowd, which was um, mm. it was written by Bud Schulberg, directed by Elia Kazan. He was someone that really started off all that scene as well back in the day with all those incredible actors. The Actors Studio, I remember going to the Actors Studio in New York once. I went and visited it. It was incredible. I, that, that gave me a big buzz to be there and just sit and think about all the people that had been interviewed. James James Lipton interviewed all the, those actors that I loved watching. Right, yeah, James in the actor studio, wasn't it? Yeah, he used to do the brilliant, incredible. Yeah, those, those conversations were like. I watched one with Paul Newman the other day. I watched The Sting the other day for the first time. I was just like, what a film! Like, I mean, it's just all those mm. really old movies. But what am I watching at the moment? I've just watched After Love, which was absolutely blew me away. Oh, brilliant! So brilliant that film. Incredible. Incredible. I want to see Ali and Ava. I'm going to watch that. I went to see Belfast, which was, I literally okay. sobbed. Like I, at the end of the movie, Dame Judi Dench, just the end. I, I mean, all the way through it, they're all incredible. The way it's mm. shot, the nostalgia, the music, the camaraderie. It's just an incredible movie. I sobbed. I just started crying. She just got me, right? I just, I, I was like, oh God. And I sobbed and my friends were sat next to me. And they were like, you're right. But mm. I was like, <laughs> and it was just beautiful. And then Boiling Point is a really good mate of mine, Steve, Steve Graham and Hannah and that. So there's a yeah, lot. That's I'm looking incredible. forward to seeing that one. I saw that a while ago. Stephen sent me a link and I saw it. I need to watch the finished product, but incredible. And yeah, there's loads. There's a few others that I want to see. I love, there's a really good film called Sweetheart, directed by Marley hey. Morrison. There she is. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> So what, what, um, I wanted to ask you as well, what are the films 
that really made you want to do what you do now, Marley? What, who, do you, who are you inspired by and who, who's, who are the directors that have made you want to be a director? British, oh, British, gosh. British. I mean, it's, it's got to be Shane. It's got to be Shane Meadows. I mean, I, I, I've watched every single thing I think he's ever done. <laughs> Even his little mobile phone made DV cam made stuff that he put on YouTube with Paddy, like yes. you know all of that and stuff. Vicky and Shimmy, um, yeah. You know, Room for Romeo Brass is brilliant. Dead Man's Shoes, but I mean, this is England really kind of captured my imagination, I guess, and I kept kind of coming back to that film because I just thought I've never seen characters like this before. It's so brave and it's so honest and. And it's just a, a great group of people coming together. You know, it's not it's not sort of just highlighting one amazing actor. You've got like several amazing actors kind of all coming together to, to make a, a really, really great film. And then obviously went on to do the TV series. And I've just always just been in absolute awe of, of his work and, and how he gets the performances that he does and the truth that he, he manages to get out of the actors in the scene. I just think it's it's just... It's, it's amazing. I'm always, always excited to see what he does next. And similarly, I grew up kind of watching, you know, Mike Lee stuff. Yes. Um, Andrea Arnold does an amazing film called wow. Fish Tank that Andrea Arnold her. made that I think is. And, uh, you know, Lim, Lim Ramsey as well is another one yep. that I grew up sort of watching as well. So, so yeah, I mean, so many great British filmmakers that I kind of really, really do kind of, we have a lot in common, Marley. That that you just mentioned all my favourites. I've got more, but like Ken Loach, Mike Lee, you know, Lynn Ramsey, Andre yeah. Arnold, Shea Meadows. I remember. I think one of my best cinema experiences. It 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 was a personal experience because it was in Rome at the film festival, and it was with This Is England. I'd not had many of those mm. experiences. It was a long, long time ago. And all of us managed to scrape some money together to go to the festival. Ludovico Arnaudi joined. And at the end, Tomo was little. Tomo was there. Me and Tomo went. Vicky Shimmy. It was just so beautiful. We were sat in this cinema. It was huge. It was full. And right at the end of the movie, we got a stand innovation. And I didn't know wow. what was going on. And it was so incredible because it was quite a, it's quite full on the film, you know, and we didn't know how audiences was going to react to it. I think yeah, of course. not sort of watching a movie. I mean, because I've seen, you know, incredible movies on, on, on the cinema, but I think that was one of my favourite movie experiences, cinema experiences, where it was just like this visceral energy. It was, it was incredible, like afterwards. And yeah, and we all kind of, None of us really knew what we was doing. We was all, like you said, Shane had just gathered a, a dysfunctional group of kids together and we all just did our best yeah, and it was yeah. authentic, <laughs> you know, and he got the best out but of us. But did you know at the time, did you know, like, you know, to talk specifically about this as England, like, did you did you kind of have a feeling that, you know, like, oh, this is, this is, this is something special or kind of was it, was it more of a, let's just all do our best and, and see what happens. But I think that that was kind of where we were at with Sweetheart, wasn't it? We didn't really know how it was going to be received or really have any expectations at Rock Bar kind of, we just want to make this this film and, and, we, and we think it's important to some people and, and, that's, and that's it. And let's just all do our best for a few weeks and then see what happens. Marley, it was, it was just like that. It was really just like that. The experience was incredible. It was electrifying. Like, it was so incredible. The group of us was all put together. And Shane, you know, it was the build-up, the pre-production, the hairdos, 
getting to know each other, the workshopping. Um, he's an incredible director who really knows how to work with actors. Like he knows how to get the best out of you with you, you know, and he, he works with you a lot before. Mm. And I, and I think Mike Lee does that. I, I did audition for him at, at, at a point and, um, he kind of Shane gives you this history together so that when you get on set, you're very comfortable. And, you know, we kind of did a little bit of that. We didn't have much time, but we did that Marley. And I think Nell and mm. I did, and, um, we work with you quite a lot. And I think with Shane, then when you get on set, you just, we knew something special was happening because it felt electric and it felt inspiring and exciting. But I think none of us was that we weren't expecting what happened afterwards. And I have to say, I, I felt, well, we didn't think about it. I think that's what it was. It was a little bit like sweetheart. We didn't have any expectations of an outcome. We did go there with a full heart and all our, you know, preparation um, with nothing, with no money, and we just did, you know. And I, I was yeah. I was listening to the the Biffa interviews this morning, and and there was a t the two of the ladies that are actually going to be interviewing on the red carpet was talking about how important that is for, you know, British film because everybody's there. They're never there for the money, really. It's there because they want to tell the story, and I think that's what we had with This Is England. And then what what happened after was incredible, but yeah, it it, it was. It was an amazing experience and so was Sweetheart. I mean, what Shane did was what you did. He got everyone together for the period of, of filming. And I think sometimes mm. you brought in and out and there's so much content these days and they're churning so much out and everything's so quick. I mean, a friend of mine who's a director was chatting the other day about having to get the schedules. I, I think it wasn't like that. It was it was more relaxed and more creative and it wasn't about right. schedule. I mean, of course, you have to meet the schedule, but... Yeah, so we had that time, like we did in the evenings, to sit and talk. I remember used to shout over the wall mm. to you, be like, Molly, <laughs> what are we doing tomorrow? And we'd be like having a chat and we'd be laughing at stuff. Can someone give me a call time, please. Anyone someone, got call time? Can someone give me a call time after 10pm, please? Thank you, darling. <laughs> call my agent. <laughs> It's exactly like that, yeah. It? <laughs> it wasn't. I was like in bed having a pot noodle, getting ready for it. Yeah. Oh, the glamour, the glamour of no budget filmmaking. Yeah, then, no Wi-Fi signal, nothing like proper. Yeah. I, like <laughs> I liked that there was no Wi-Fi because no one could bother me. I, I was in a little caravan on my own just like filming it up. I love that when people can't get in touch with you. <laughs> But it was it was proper like we were in a zone, weren't it? We were in a zone for a few weeks, like yeah, untouched yeah. by the outside world. Yes. And and sort of I guess we want to really I don't know, we was looking at maybe talking about what well, we admire in each other's work and, and the things that I found really inspiring about you was your ability to adapt, that the humility that you had with regards to you had such an open mind. You was open to sort of input and discussion, but you also had like a sure understanding of what you wanted and how you wanted it to be and look visually overall. I felt like when I was on set with you, I felt confident, I felt heard, I felt understood. And I also loved that little pre-production collaboration where we we talked about certain scenes and you wasn't sort of stuck on holding on to certain lines if they were said better in a more authentic way. And also that ability to, you know, you included me in, you didn't need to, but in the post-production, you asked my advice and you said, what do you think about this? And it was a beautiful journey all round, really. And I loved 
when I saw the short films when I first before I met you again like mm. that Nepal I knew there was something special about you and something really incredibly authentic and I just thought I just knew oh, like I, yeah no I had lunch with my agent the other day it was lovely and you know she was saying you've got you've got a really strong intuition you make good choices and you take risks and it was so weird because that's where I came from you know Shane took a risk on me and Shane believed in me. He didn't take a risk. He just believed in me. But I love mm. to be in that sort of environment where there is no, it's nice to be paid and you have to mix your jobs up. But we, and we all got paid for this. But what I'm saying is where there's just that pure intention of creating a story and there's no egos and there's no, you know, it's, it was harder for you, I guess you and Michelle, because you have the logistical stuff to work out and you got to liaise. But I know we had so much so much support for I me and you've been had so much support from BBC film, film London and the microwave schemes. Yeah. So you, you, yeah, I just loved, I kind of really know that I will work with you again. I'd love to write something with you, but I just yeah, thought definitely. your authenticity and your bravery to tell a story that meant a lot to you and to do it in a lighthearted way, like didn't take yourself too seriously, but you took the, the role of your, you know, creator, writer, director seriously. And I just thought, where's this person come from? You know, it's, it's incredible. <laughs> I loved how you didn't try to dress it up or be anything that you wasn't. I, I loved that. And I loved that you've had that since because even with all the excitement of winning Deanard and things like that, those awards and everyone's just been busy and like, oh, what? what? I think we were like found out last. We was all just having a sandwich somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, What's going on? <laughs> it was a bit like this, you know? Whoa. Yeah, no, it's been mad. It's been, it's been, yeah. I mean, it's been a complete, wild journey from 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 the beginning really just from this sort of idea that I had in, in my bedroom and then just constant kind of thinking oh what qualifications do you have to be able to do this you know you've you've done a sort of made a couple of shorts and music videos and you know I think sometimes you can kind of if you believe in something enough and and, and you and you just keep working at it you know you can get there you can get there I, I truly believe that and I think that with this project um, with you, it was one of these things. I think I'd been watching that one around uh, an actors' round table or something somewhere, and I've been listening to um, Greta Gerwig talk, and she was talking about like vision boards and people she puts on her vision boards and things like that. And um, I don't do them so much anymore, but I used to. I used to put stuff together on Pinterest just to kind of like, you know, if I had a million pounds, what would I make or whatever it was because yeah. I was so used to making films for a fiver or whatever. Yeah. And when I was kind of putting it together, it must have been probably about six years ago now. And I just like put all of these kind of images together and just like a bit of a scrapbook of kind of just random images that I liked. And kind of I remember Greta Gerwig saying, like, you know, start at the top for who, you know, who who would you if you could have anyone in the world play this role, who who would you have? And I remember kind of people asking me about that. And I was like, oh, well, Joe Hartley, because <laughs> like oh, I was such wow. a such a huge fan um and there was just always something you know when I was just thinking of British actresses it was just like she's just so powerful and just just incredible in every single role she does and I, I absolutely there's not one role I've seen her in where I don't believe her I just believe her like oh, and no, and I felt like you. I knew people like you so I felt like I felt comfortable with you before I knew you because yeah. I felt I, I know people like this and and I feel like 
she's down to earth and like we can kind of just talk honestly no bullshit no egos like just yeah. and I kind of I sensed that anyway and then when you agreed to meet I was like oh like a fan girl <laughs> in a little bit but <laughs> but no but then we met and I was like you you know she's more incredible than I could even imagine so much joy um so much kind of love and, and generosity of spirit and and yeah I think you're just an incredible person and anyone that that knows you I'm sure will say that as well oh, um, Marley, but yeah I'm, I just feel very lucky very lucky that you 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 were a part of it like very lucky I'm, I'm yeah incredibly lucky to to have you as my friend now yes you can't get rid of me now no I don't <laughs> want to no that's incredibly kind and I really felt the same when I met you it was so interesting that I, I my, my agent sent me the script and it literally jumped off the page. And I said, I'd love to meet Marley and Michelle. And I remember meeting you in Soho. I remember having a conversation yeah. with you both. And I just thought you were so smart. I was like incredibly informed about film and just really smart. And you loved Shane and This Is England. And it's a big thing that mm. because I don't know. I mean, it's an acquired taste, but it's just such a, a really nice experience when someone really gets it and you just got it. And I was like, what an incredible person. And I think that's what's important. I mean, I've always been tried to keep my feet on the ground and I've always really had to work hard, you know. And so this that's why being nominated is is an absolute incredible honor. I really mean that. It was such a shock and I'm really happy to be, you know, nominated alongside incredible people, all of them and um and you know yourself and Nell and Michelle and the film being recognized. That's because amazing. we didn't have any money and we just we really did not expect anything from it and this is why it's so beautiful so yeah no it's thank you for saying all those lovely things and um the feelings mutual and we yeah hopefully we can have a a collaborative relationship going forward you know I know we're both really busy but I'd love to work with you and Michelle again and and you know, and yeah, and all of definitely. the people. So yeah, it's great. And um, I think it's been a a great conversation. Oh, it's been lovely talking to you. Like, yeah. Do you know what I've? Do you know what I've enjoyed? That all those movies that I mentioned earlier that I thought I was ancient. Mm. You you knew them, and your mum and dad. Uh, yeah, watched yeah. them, and we've got that. We've got that. We've got movie in common, and we've got many many more things definitely. in common, Marley. So it's been incredible yeah, to no. talk to you today, and thanks for the opportunity to play Tina and, and work with you and um, let's make another movie yes definitely can't wait love you Jojo love you Marley Morrison Mwah. thanks for listening to this episode of the Biffa podcast if you haven't already subscribe to the show and make sure you get our next episode straight away if you haven't heard the show before subscribe now and check back in our feed for any episodes you might have missed you might have seen that at the Biffa ceremony director Jan Dimanche presented his friend Riz Ahmed with the Richard Harris Award for Outstanding Contribution by an Actor. Both Jan's introduction and Riz's speech were fascinating and very, very moving. Check them out on YouTube. And if you want to hear more from them together, we've got an extended conversation between them here on the podcast that you can listen to now. Don't miss it. Thanks for listening. The Biffa Podcast is the Little Dot Studios production for Biffa. The show is hosted by me, Jake Cunningham, I'm also one of the producers alongside Ellie Aitken and Harold McShiel. The show is edited by James Payne.